Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. India right now is witnessing a massive second wave of COVID-19 infections. On Monday, the country had reported its highest single-day rise with over 1.68 lakh cases. And even yesterday, there were over 1,61,000 cases reported in the country. With this rise, India has become the country with the second highest number of cases globally. And in this regard, we are second to only the United States. This surge is also happening at a time when large political rallies have been taking place in states like West Bengal, where thousands gather without masks and no possibility of physical distancing. Many such rallies have been carried out by Prime Minister Narendra Modi and Home Minister Amit Shah. Moreover, right now, Kumbh Mela, the Hindu religious festival, is going on in Haridwar, where lakhs of devotees are taking part and bathing in the river Ganga. On the day that India reported its highest single-day rise, over 28 lakh devotees had turned up for it. As cases rise, many state governments are contemplating lockdowns. And because of this, many migrant workers have once again started going back to their hometowns. But would lockdowns be an effective strategy right now? To what extent would the current vaccination drive help? And what do we know about the role of different COVID-19 variants in this current wave? And how different is this wave from the previous one? In this episode, we talk to Dr. Giridhar Babu, the head of Life Course Epidemiology at the Public Health Foundation of India, and who is also a member of the Karnataka COVID-19 Technical Advisory Committee. He answered these questions for us. Dr. Babu, as we know, India is grappling with the second wave of COVID-19 infections. On Monday, we had recorded our highest single-day rise, and India has become the country with the second highest number of cases globally. Now, this kind of rise has come as a surprise to many, including some health experts. Did it come as a surprise to you as well? I wouldn't say I'm surprised. Uh, the reason I say is from some of the technical advisory committees that I'm part of, we had warned about second wave much earlier in the month of October 2020. However, our timing was around February 2021 is when we expected. And we did not uh, make any guesstimates in terms of how the peak will be. But the way the cases are surging, uh, the speed at which the transmission is going on, that's the part where we are learning so much new about this virus. So the speed at which the second wave is forming in the country, definitely we are uh, flabbergasted, but not sure in terms of surprising from the mere occurrence of second wave. With infectious diseases, uh, it is known that there will be multiple waves of outbreaks and we need to be taking each wave as one separate game. Okay, so then what is the reason or rather what are the reasons that we are seeing this kind of rise right now? Any outbreak is a result of collection of uh, people who are more and more susceptible. By that, the more the uninfected people are, the moment it reaches a threshold and crosses it, that's when an outbreak occurs. Now, with novel coronavirus, it is even more complicated. With most other viruses, it's probably only one type of virus. But here, 
you also have the virus probably changing. So when you have a susceptible pool and there are both an earlier variant and a newer variant, not just one, there are many variants who might be more infectious. Some of them can escape our immune system. So therefore, the speed at which it can spread is uh, tremendous. So the reasons for the new uh, wave or the second wave is A, the host immunity is not up to the mark in terms of either waning antibodies or in terms of uh, the vaccination not reaching enough people. B, the virus itself is changing. Therefore, maybe more infectious strains are present in most parts of the country. And finally, the environment. Almost everything we do is conducive for faster transmission of the virus, be it full of cinemas or melas or political rallies. So we have created a perfect environment for faster transmission. On top of that, the virus is probably more infectious. And that's why we are here. Okay, so you mentioned these three things, not enough people getting vaccinated, you have people not following proper COVID-19 guidelines, and these different variants. Let's talk a bit more about these variants. Is this virus mutating a lot faster than other viruses that we have seen in the past? Now, viruses are known to undergo these regular changes. Now, the higher the circulation, it means that more and more people are having this virus, harboring the virus. And also the virus is replicating in many folds. The more the replication, higher are the chances of errors. Some of these errors will lead to mutations. Not all mutations are probably worth uh, of concern. Few of them might change in the structure of protein. And that's when, even among them, few of them might be more infectious or maybe conferring the immune escape property. Therefore, even to prevent the newer variants of concern, containing the transmission is very important. Second, probably some of the escape, uh, immune escape variants and more infectious variants have been induced in people who have uh, received uh, immunotherapy, they especially if they're immunocompromised and they've received uh, the plasma therapy, at least the earlier variant, UK variant has been traced to one such patient. So maybe there is a perfect immune environment where these viruses are programming themselves much faster. So it's as if we are contributing to more variants of concern, both by allowing it for high circulation and also doing things like plasma therapy and immunocompromised people where these variants are emerging. And is there any one variant that is more worrisome than the other? We, we understand that in Maharashtra, for example, this double mutation has been found in 15 to 20% of the cases, at least according to some reports. And in Punjab, 80% of the cases have seen the UK variant. So do we know whether one variant might be more worrisome? I mean, to be precise, we do not have the robust data that we can use it to quantify which is more worrisome than the others. Let me explain. There are probably more indigenous variants of concern than the imported ones. 
because there is high circulation going on in most places as we speak now we haven't done enough uh, samples in terms of genomic sequencing even though the government says there is uh, we should be doing 5% of all the samples subjected to genomic sequencing we are nowhere near that not just that all the clusters uh, should be thoroughly investigated to see what kind of uh, variant is present we should also uh, be doing this in the contacts and we should also be doing something called in vitro testing where cell line cultures will have this virus to see how infectious it is without doing any of this or without doing a reasonably in enough number of samples we simply cannot say which variant is more of concern in india currently in the absence of such data it is safe to assume that there are probably more than few variants of concern which are the leading cause for uh, the steep rise in cases and also in this second wave what has changed in terms of you know who is more likely to get infected this time and i ask this because now there are reports that more younger people are getting infected by the virus yeah that's true more and more younger people are getting infected with this uh, virus uh, mostly because either they are the ones who are in frequent uh, interaction with the other members of the society and also because the virus has to find who is not infected yet so therefore as a result of these two uh, more and more younger folks might be uh, at uh, risk of getting the infection it doesn't make the virus probably more affecting only younger there is no change in the virus property as such this is a result of what's happening in terms of the overall susceptible pool in addition to younger predilection there is also a possibility which we are seeing most uh, clusters the presentation of the clinical symptoms most people are asymptomatic and um, uh, one would uh, probably uh, have a estimate of around 90% are asymptomatic in the remaining 10% of the people is what we require in terms of clinical management be it oxygen uh, supply or uh, even critical care in icu so this is where again there is changing uh, dynamics of how this wave is in contrast to the first wave and is it true that the virus might be less fatal this time that in the second wave while the numbers the cases might be higher the number of deaths might be lower than the last wave that's probably not uh, the right way of assessing about the fatality the reason is although the uh, proportion of deaths looks like it's uh, a small percentage as of now when there is a surge in cases this percentage in so many millions of people will result in larger number of deaths it's also more likely that when there is a surge in cases there are not enough beds to cater to the needs of severe illness therefore that will also contribute to mortality as of now uh, states with probably relatively poorer health infrastructure like uttar pradesh bihar having a reproductive number more than 2.75 which means every infected person is spreading to three more people in the days to come we have to be very careful on how these areas will handle the surge in cases uh, with poor health system capacity ensuring that uh, mortality is lower in these areas is also very critical so multiple factors 
will lead to assessing whether surge in mortality is going to be lesser or higher and we should also finally remember that the surge in mortality always occurs with a lag time so if there is a surge in cases now the death rate will probably start uh, increasing uh, 14 to 17 days from now so uh, we need to account uh, for that lag time effect also okay so now because of this massive surge that we are seeing there are talks once again of lockdowns maharashtra has been contemplating it and so are other states like karnataka haryana and even delhi how much can lockdowns help with this wave and do you think that that is an effective strategy yeah i have written about it saying that lockdown is a lazy policy option here is why we had multiple opportunities to contain the transmission uh, to sort of uh, extinguish in the very early stages we have missed those opportunities even now a strong aggressive containment strategy should be able to reduce the overall number of cases in most places where it is just started surging maharashtra is a different uh, case altogether instead of addressing these aggressive containment strategies which include preventing three c's which mean crowds close contacts and close spaces if we are able to ensure that we regulate these three things really well we can clearly get a hold on the way the trajectory is uh, going forward instead we are allowing uh, mass congregations whether it is melas religious congregations or political rallies full of cinemas there is hardly any place where these kind of crowds are not formed by allowing transmission to continue like this and then to impose a lockdown i, I mean doesn't make real uh, sense uh, from a public health point of view the reason is once there is surge in cases especially in uh, you know states which have poor health system capacity it's really fatal to uh, the poor and uh, vulnerable sections of the society in the same way a lockdown is equally or more fatal for most vulnerable people so they're doomed anyway whether the surge in cases happens or the lockdown happens uh, we need to own this uh, there has to be collective responsibility in preventing uh, a nationwide lockdown lockdowns might be necessary only when the health system is not able to cater to the surge in severe cases lockdown might also be necessary when there's mortality uh, surge and we just can't simply control it from our public health interventions if the health system is not strained if we are able to handle a low mortality uh, level then i think we should continue with the strict and aggressive containment strategy so there's no one size fits all approach lockdown as a policy option should be the last option only when the other options don't work my only worry is that there is a tendency to not really effectively implement the other strategies and use lockdown as a lazy policy option so then what needs to be done to handle a surge in cases which as you say could prevent us from going under lockdown as we see in mumbai most people with asymptomatic illness would want to get hospitalized therefore they will prevent the beds for from occupying for those who really deserve it so we have 
to have a clear policy those who deserve oxygen supplementation they should never be denied any bed anywhere in the country if that's the policy then all the asymptomatic person should be staying at home uh, in home isolation or in covid care centers which is taken care by government or other ngo sectors that's when we'll reduce the load on the hospitals that's when the treatment of uh, the severe illness can be effective that's how we reduce mortality so i think for the second wave we need to have clearly different strategy than uh, lockdown last year i have argued lockdown was necessary because we had to prepare the health system to tackle the surge in cases we also had to ensure the speed of transmission will be reduced therefore i on record i can say that lockdown did help in uh, reducing the overall adversities associated with the first wave the second wave there is no rationale for having a nationwide lockdown because the health system is already ready and the speed of transmission is really high in some of the states already so there's only little that we can do in these objectives by imposing a lockdown so we need to have a clear policy on lockdown Dr Babu the other thing that you mentioned earlier was that people aren't following covid-19 protocols right you mentioned rallies you mentioned religious functions the kumbh mela is happening right now where millions of people are gathering what do you think the government needs to do to get people to change their behavior and attitude and to what extent do you even think that's possible i am an eternal optimist because in a country where we don't follow traffic rules properly we were staying at home for many months none of us were attuned to wear mask but as a country we did follow uh, masking for a very long time physical distancing was a hardly a reality anywhere in india but that was also possible last year if you see what changed from last year to this year i essentially list two things one the communication from the government we saw effective leadership in the first wave where there were very convincing plea pleas by none other than the highest office of the country urging people to uh, follow physical distancing and masking even though that is there even now uh, the amount of seriousness with which it is uh, perceived by people is different mostly because the role models of implementing these are probably attending large congregations so then the people will have a, a very confusing picture so my request is if there is a renewed commitment in terms of better communication strategy in terms of why more than ever in a strict policy of self regulation of masking up following physical distancing and more important than these two is avoiding crowds prevent the formation of crowds don't participate in any kind of congregations make sure you wear mask in close spaces and close settings if you are able to do this with renewed communication from the government i think uh, we can again regroup and uh, reenergize uh, towards a better implementation for that uh, we need to do a lot of uh, introspection because you can't have mailas political rallies and renewed communication at the same time yeah and 
you know, the other strategy against this pandemic has been the vaccination drive. How much can that help with the current wave of infections? Yeah, so uh, I think that's a great question. So vaccination is very important. The pace of the vaccination needs to definitely increase by many folds, but only to prevent a third wave or any future waves, not uh, in terms of making a major impact in the ongoing second wave. The reason uh, is you need to make sure that everybody gets two doses and two weeks after two doses is when the efficacy gets in. What is the efficacy against? These vaccines are proved efficacious against preventing death and preventing severe illness. So therefore, whatever coverage we will have, let's assume we cover all the vulnerables in the next two months. Excellent. In the next wave, we will have much lower mortality compared to what we would have had in first and second wave. But will it reduce the peak or uh, mortality in the ongoing one? We do not have the evidence to say that. But that's an independent strategy to prevent further adversities in the long run. Also, there are states like Maharashtra, Chhattisgarh, Odisha and Andhra Pradesh that have been reporting a vaccine shortage. How big of a problem are we assessing this to be and to what extent do you feel India should ramp up its inoculation drive? I think there is a supply constraint. We have to acknowledge that. We need definitely more vaccines in terms of the supply chain mechanisms uh, to be able to cater to uh, a greater proportion of the population. At the same time, once the vaccines are available in enough numbers, we need to step up the demand for the vaccination. Currently, we are expecting people to come to the center and get vaccinated, but we need to mobilize people. We need to have uh, strong micro plans. I think India can do much better. The potential is much greater than the pace at which we are proceeding ahead. So therefore, uh, there is, again, an important need that we use the simple strategies to scale up. We ensure that the same strategies such as uh, what we used for polio eradication and um, measles and mumps, uh, rubella vaccination, we need to be using similar strategies here and reduce all the barriers uh, to make sure that uh, this campaign is effective. There's a great scope for improvement in the vaccination program as such. Okay, so you mentioned that ideally you would want a situation where the vaccine drive is happening like polio or rubella. But I'm guessing the mechanics of it will be a bit different, right? Because in COVID, you need someone to monitor adverse events. You need for there to be social distancing. You don't want vaccination centers getting crowded, which we have seen happening in a number of places. So even though you would want it to happen like polio, but how will the mechanics of it change in terms of COVID? Yeah, so the easiest program to compare for COVID-19 is MMR, measles, mumps, rubella. And this was done till for the children till 15 years of age. And this was nationwide campaign. This required administration of injections. And most of the adverse effects, some of them were even uh, severe compared to COVID-19. And also, vaccinating children is more sensitive than 
vaccinating adults. Despite of all these uh, barriers or challenges, India again is one of the global leaders in implementing uh, MMR vaccination campaigns. The reason it is so is we as a public health community relied mostly on the healthcare workers who are in the front line. Yes, they are called ANM, auxiliary nurse midwife. They are the people who are administering intramuscular injections to children all over the country in the most remotest of the areas. Uh, there is uh, again world-class adverse effect uh, following immunization program associated with it. We have know-how. We have the people who are trained. We just need to reorient our programs towards that. Throughout uh, the history, it is the strength of the public health system that has delivered vaccination program. While the private care facilities will help in urban areas, we should be scaling up our outreach sessions in the rural areas uh, to have a greater coverage. And to have this greater coverage and considering this time younger people are also getting infected, do you think people below the age of 45 should also be allowed to get vaccinated? I do believe a graded response in terms of expanding to other age groups should happen. Currently, I feel at least all the people above 45 years should be covered as soon as possible. The moment we start covering a significant proportion with vaccines being made available, again, we have to look at both supply and demand. We have to expand to all the eligible age groups. And also, do you agree with people saying that at least in certain areas, vaccination should be open for everyone? This is a very difficult question to answer because I think each state at some point of time will have the surge in cases. My priority would be to prevent deaths among the vulnerable, which means uh, those who have comorbidities and those who are elderly. So ensuring that most of vulnerables get the complete vaccination coverage uh, is a priority, especially when the supply constraints are there. If you have unlimited uh, supply, then everybody above 18 years should get vaccinated. I think this is a fine balance the governments will have to walk. And Dr. Babu, what important lessons do you think the first wave should have taught us, but we have failed to learn and are not applying to this wave? So there are many lessons, but whether the systems have incorporated these lessons as part of uh, corrective actions is the question. So uh, let, one of the things which we kept saying is that we need better contact tracing. And we knew that to do better contact tracing, we need more manpower, especially in urban areas. If you look at what kind of corrective actions we have taken, how many health workers have been recruited on a permanent basis, it will be dismal. Even where contractual workers were hired, they were not paid on time. Now they are not there. So if we do not change the way we take care of public health, there will be more pandemics in future. Each time we cannot afford to do some reactive measures. One of the main challenges is strengthening the human resources, especially in urban areas and remote rural areas. If you don't do that, then we will have similar problems uh, as we move ahead with multiple waves and multiple pandemics in future. 
what we have learned is at least some state governments have stepped up oxygen uh, supply in the public health system as a result there are more people being taken care in the government hospitals when there is severe illness so these are good lessons incorporated wherever such uh, lessons are incorporated we should scale it up across the other states in terms of better treatment protocols better mechanisms of referral some states do well some states don't so there should be shared learning in terms of incorporating the lessons learned now the greatest strength of the pandemic was collaborative approach instead of having a one time collaborative approach we should institutionalize these kind of mechanisms uh, for entire public health and do we have an understanding of when this current wave is expected to peak i am looking at several models at least in the case of maharashtra it looks like by first week of may it will start uh, going down and probably towards the end of may is when the entire wave for country will start going down but we can be wrong in these estimations looking at these models because things can change things can change in terms of what actions we take what kind of um, vaccination coverage we are doing at least for the next wave in terms of starting sooner what kind of containment measures do we do which states going to lockdown so there are several factors which will change these things okay so my last question to you is what do you think remain the biggest unknowns for you about this second wave we really don't know how the virus has sort of transformed within this country what are the new variants of concern which are probably home grown probably more infectious and some of them might be even uh, escaping the immune response we don't know how the children are going to respond to this because there are not men, enough studies done there and what about vaccines in this age group we don't know how long we need to continue with this so as uh, one of uh, our great collaborators brahma puts it uh, there are many unknown unknowns so we are learning with each step you are listening to three things by the indian express today's show was written and produced by me shashank bhargav and was edited and mixed by suresh pawar if you like the show then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts you can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it share it with a friend or someone in your family it's the best way for people to get to know about us you can tweet us at express podcast and write to us at podcast@indianexpress.com at